Everybody goes mushy about avocado. It's like you've got someone that's regurgitated something and it's in your mouth already. It's like really weird. It's that texture. I hate it. Yes. Yes, it might be full of nutrients and all the rest of it. So is a vitamin pill. <laughs> I said what I said. Lift the plate. Lift the plate. Lift the plate. Lift the plate. Save it in the memories. Save the curiosity. Swim the tears. Serving up goodbyes. This is the season one finale of Lick the Plate. I'm your host, Cameron Bernard-Jones. My, 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 how time flies. The journey of Lick the Plate started just before I closed a chapter that had come about unexpectedly. And, well, you know the saying, when one door closes, another one opens. This was all about continuing to tell and share stories. Lick the Plate reminds me how much we are connected, and I've learned so much, especially from my guests. So far, we've met 12 guests and have exchanged so much, including food, recipes, customs, cultures, culinary likes and dislikes, personal stories, family traditions, and of course, a whole lot of good vibes. I started episode one with just me, myself, and I. Go check out episode one, Amuse My Boosh, if you haven't already. But I sat down in front of my mic and shared a bit of who I am, what my upbringing was, and what my relationship with food is. It's only appropriate that for the final episode of season one, I bring it right on back to my home and have my final guest be my lovely husband. I've referenced him so many times this season, so I figured I might as well pop him in front of the mic Colin Price is a born and bred Londoner of Jamaican heritage. We've been married since 2015. Colin enjoys so many of the things I enjoy, like travel, a love for languages, and well-seasoned food. (laughs) We sat down at our dining table and shared so much of each other's experiences, both here in the UK and across the world. So everybody always asks us, How do we meet? What's the whole story behind us getting together? And it's always not a long, it was a long story, but it's never as simple as saying, oh, we met at the library or we met at the bar. But one of our first memories that we have together revolves around food. It revolves around the very first thing (laughs) that you made for me. Um... I use the word made <laughs> very specifically. Oh wow. You wanna you wanna tell us what that what that was about? Well I'm gonna come clean right now. <laughs> so when I was preparing for that lunch I basically ended up taking my fast self to a supermarket and I saw this huge lasagna, ready-made lasagna. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's going to look homemade. <laughs> it had those full trays that you could see at a Thanksgiving dinner or a Christmas dinner. And I thought, yeah, let's put that up. So had that. I can't remember. Did I do vegetables? I can't remember. But I know that you liked it because you went up for seconds. Okay, and this this is this is where <laughs> without asking, <laughs> I did ask. I will forever stand behind this. I okay. I wouldn't just get up and just walk to the kitchen 
First time for everything. Okay. Well, we're going to have to disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All I know is that I turned around, you were in the kitchen helping yourself to lasagna. I was like, well, where, where did he go? <laughs> it, was, it was delicious. And I thought that you made it from scratch. So then there's that. Oh, so that's excuse to go and help yourself without asking. It's a compliment. Oh, okay. Rude. <laughs> well, I've forgiven you. Thank you. <laughs> on that food that that food date we discovered that we both like the same type of wines back then i wasn't really that much of a wine drinker especially compared to you but what was the wine we decided it was, we it was a malbec it was a malbec yeah <laughs> and i told the story about how when i went to argentina i had a malbec with some steak and it was the best thing and from then on i decided oh malbec's my wine so meeting you and just us exchanging stories and realizing we both love Malbec. I was like, oh, okay, this is a good sign. Yeah, could have been a, a Moscato kind of drinker, couldn't I? Or Lambresco. Okay, no shade to Moscato. <laughs> no shade to Moscato or to Moscato drinkers, but um, <laughs> Colin is a bit of a wine snob. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Well, come on. You're kind of like a pseudo sommelier. Pseudo. I, I like my wines and I like I know the flavors I like, so I go after them. Mm. Um, it's it's quite funny because um this all stemmed from Australia, I gotta say. Yeah. <laughs> I was working in this um restaurant in King's Cross, uh Sydney, and um I was a waiter, but then they took me off the floor because apparently I talk too much. <laughs> That's not me. Um only because most of the diners were like, Oh, you're from London and they just wanted to talk about their experiences going to London, being in London, whereabouts you're from in London. And so I was kind of like pissing off the, the the head chef because when that bell rang, you had to go back. And I kind of like ignore the bell and continue with my conversations. But then um, <laughs> two weeks into the job, the manager was like, oh, we're going to put you beyond the bar. And and that's when my love of wine um, started because she then put me on a wine appreciation course. And we went to um, this warehouse and and the amount of wines in this place. And we just went through everything. And the way the guy was talking about it, it was just so poetic. And, and I was like, you know what it's like. You, you try a glass of wine and someone's telling you wheelbarrows, Wellington boots and, and, and soccer shorts. And you're like, where's, where's this coming from? <laughs> but, but now I have this um, kind of crass way of describing wines. I basically keep doing things like... Um, well, this is a tarty bitch or, or uh, kind of like um, very vulgar in my um, wine descriptions. But at that course, it was just unbelievable because I could actually tell towards the end what he was going for, especially the, the fruity wines and, and zest of lemons and apricots and peaches and stuff. And I was like, oh, and because I'm not a white wine drinker at the time, I've always been into reds. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh. I can taste that, but with red wines, I knew what I wanted, and and it needed no description. I, all I needed to know that it was full bodied and dry. Aha! Uh -huh. So, do you actually will you actually have a sweet wine, even for dessert? Uh, I would have a dessert wine. Okay, um, I have no problems with that. Um, there's an item of food which will remain anonymous that um, used to have a sauterne with um, i didn't do french so it's a sauterne a sweet dessert wine mm -hmm. which went well with this pate um and 
Yeah, and, and I kind of like develop a, a love of um, dessert wines, but sometimes I found them too heavy because we did that a lot of that in Australia um, to pair with desserts and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm not really big on the sweets, unfortunately. Mm. So yeah. That's okay. I'm sweet enough for you. Yes. <laughs> When you're polite. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you are worldly traveled. I mean, you've been all over the place and... Everyone always hears about, as we just did, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm bored enough people with that. <laughs> I think it's remarkable because I had never, especially at that point, never met that many people who had been to Australia and who have spent so much time and have built really a family, a, a, a chosen family out there who you still keep in contact with this do. day. <laughs> and so what memories evoke for you when Australia is brought up? I, I, I mean... To be honest, it's it's the time that I was there. I I just thought it was an, an amazing time. Um, it was in the um, mid nineties, and it was just, it was, it was just. I just felt free. I mean, I'd left um, London under a back to basics kind of Tory government. <laughs> you know what that means? Hypocrites all over the place. And I just needed to get away from this country. Um, and and took myself there and uh, went by myself through Southeast Asia on the way. Um, and it was just one of those places where everybody I met was just, I, I know they say you meet people like-minded um, on your travels when you're solo traveling, and that's what I did. Everybody I met were kind of like similar to me or had similar interests, and um, it was just fun. And I remember the first time I got to Sydney, because I flew into Brisbane and then made my way around the country and then ended up being in Sydney. I thought I'd do Sydney last because that's where I was going to work. And I used to frequent a, a coffee shop. Um, well, it was a, it was on the corner of Oxford and Crown, I think it was. I'm going to say open kitchen, but I think that I, I know too many cafes call it open kitchen, so it always confuses me. And the waitress working there, we just built up such a brilliant friendship. Who does that when you go into a cafe? And we just remain friends. Yeah. <laughs> it was just really weird. It was like, um, and then the boss of the of the place was um, a really cool guy as well. And it was just a little family. And they were, weren't from Sydney. That was the other thing. It was just like one of those um, places. Sydney was like London. You don't really meet Londoners in London. Okay, I and see. And that's similar to New York. Yeah, very much. <laughs> and so when um speaking to these guys it was just it was just amazing they just told me um where not to go what to do and all the rest of it and then it came to the point where i was looking for a house share and then and that's when i met the the people who i still keep in contact with today i know i find that so remarkable because <laughs> they're so far away i mean australia is literally at the bottom of the earth and i i love that you have a group of people out there that you still love and hopefully we get to Travel Hopefully. out there sooner or later, sooner than later, I should say. Exactly. Um, is and there such thing as like Australian cuisine? Yes, it's Asian. <laughs> well, it's Asian. It's it's, it's fusion. It's it's kind of like um, all the. So when I was there, the first um, again people I met in a store, for example, it was a Lebanese owner of this store, and um, got talking. They were like, "What are you doing? Come join us for dinner." Never happens in London. <laughs> so I joined him for dinner, found out about Lebanon, and took me to a Lebanese restaurant, and I fell in love with tabbouleh. And it was just crazy because every um, lunchtime when I was working in Sydney, everybody had tabbouleh. And I was like, I never really heard of tabbouleh until I was in Australia. <laughs> But I've got to say, um, when it comes to different foods, um, Italian, um, Asian, and um, Middle Eastern foods were were there mm -hmm. um and i remember like 
my love of Italian food, and 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 it was the first time you'd ever hear me do a faux pas in a place loudly asking for uh oh, focaccia. I saw it on the menu, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have focaccia. And this is <laughs> dear, oh dear, oh dear. And this is when I'm going to call her Alison um, at Open Kitchen, who basically said, "Do you mean for culture?" <laughs> And, and in the words of Nina Leakes, I wish she was around back then. I would have said, I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so for culture. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Again, pesto. It was like discovering pesto, discovering balsamic vinegar. Never heard of balsamic, balsamic vinegar until I went to this um, food fair. In, um, it, was in, it was on a Saturday. It was either in Hyde Park or one of the um, parks. It was like a farm-style farmer's market. And this woman was there like, oh, and I thought she was, <laughs> I thought it was wine tasting. And it was like balsamic vinegar to taste. You can either dip bread in or take a sip of it. Ah. And I was like, oh, this is sweet, but vinegary. <laughs> and that was my love of balsamic vinegar. Because before I'd left London, England, balsamic vinegar wasn't huge. It wasn't. It wasn't huge at all. Well, now it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's kind of got that that salted caramel kind of um, ed. Like that's the perfect. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's the perfect comparison. It's like everywhere you go, salted caramel, this salted caramel, that. <laughs> I'm like, when did this start? Who started this? <laughs> I want to know if uh, avocado on toast also started down in Australia because that seemed to pop out of nowhere. Well, Australians were always eating avocados, even when I was there back then. It wasn't big in, in, in the UK or in London, I should say, as it is now. It was like crazy. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of avocado then and not a big fan of avocado now. Can you share with your um, nickname for avocados? I call avocados Satan's balls. I've always called them that. It's perfect. It's like, come on. Everybody goes mushy about avocado. It's like you've got someone that's regurgitated something and it's in your mouth already. It's like really weird. It's that texture. I hate it. Yes. Yes, it might be full of nutrients and all the rest of it. So is a vitamin pill. I said what I said. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that. I'm so glad we agree on that. <laughs> Because you are a picky eater. I'm just going to say it. I'm hurt. <laughs> you're a picky eater. Or I should say you're, you're really particular right. about the things you eat. Uh, and I feel like the list has grown the longer we've been together. Do you reckon? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Every once in a while, I'll have to add something to the list that I realize, oh, I didn't realize he didn't like that or didn't like the preparation of that this way da, 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 da. oh my god <laughs> but i have to bring up your vendetta against chicken wings vendetta it's a vendetta i wouldn't call it vendetta i mean it, uh, dogs eat scraps that butchers um, throw off the table um some people eat wings <sighs> i really have no i really cannot fathom you can get a, a, a chicken thigh. It's meaty. You can crisp up the skin if you need the skin on it. You've got content there. You can have breasts if you like the dryness of a lumpy bit of meat. <laughs> but you go to the wing of a chicken. <laughs> flappy, flappy, flappy. Can't fly chicken. Oh, delicacy. Let's fry it. Let's make it crispy. Let's cover it with so much crap. You you don't even know you're, what you're eating. Okay. Well, folks, I think that's all we have for today. <laughs> I... Um... <laughs> 
Although we agree on avocado, we will never agree never. on chicken wings. Never. And you know what? That's marriage for you. <laughs> well, well, seeing someone's plate full of bones. Mmm, gorgeous. <laughs> you really know how to paint it, don't you? Of course. I, I, I will never understand chicken wings. And the amount of people I see talking about how much they love wings. Why? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's almost like one of the things I used to uh, hear from Italians. Um, so Italians, you know what they like with their foods and all the rest of it and the way they criticize other foods. And if they use too much spice, there's a reason why they're using too much spice. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> and Italians are quite basic with their, their seasoning, if you like, the herbs and, and other um, stuff they add to their dishes. And chicken wings is one of those it's like it's it's almost it has to be smothered now you've all seen those memes on um tiktok or instagram when you've got someone who's kind of like boiling a chicken wing it's like no one has chicken wing by itself do they yes what just fry it do whatever you need to do with it without adding anything to it and savoring the flavor of what is chicken oh that's what you mean oh yeah. no no exactly. no chicken wings are a carrier of flavor or is it really trying to fly with what you put on it? Okay. Yes. You'll never, I'll never understand it. Sorry, because my sisters love it as well. I'm, I'm really surprised. Yeah, you're the odd one out. It, not even just in the family, but I think at large, I don't know many people who don't like chicken wings. I wonder if Her Majesty's ever had one. Can you imagine, imagine the late queen sucking on a... Oh, well, there we go. Next topic. <laughs> Next caller. <laughs> Michelin-style chicken wings. It's never going to happen, is it? You mentioned Italy. Italy, yes. Italy is the second place that I really attribute to you. So it's Australia and Italy. Mm. And you've been to Italy numerous times. I feel like you've taught me so much just about Italian food. Because growing up in New York, like, I realized that my knowledge of Italian food is New York Italian food, <laughs> Italian-American food. And coming over to Europe and, one, tasting Italian food in Italy for the first time way back when. And then meeting you, someone who have been involved with Italian uh, uh, food and friends, it really opened my mind, especially through wine, of course. But food-wise, I've been enlightened. And thanks, that's thanks to you. I just think it's... Uh, and Italians are going to shoot me down now. I just think it's just the easiest foods to cook without... You, I mean, you're not going to like be looking at a list thinking, oh, God, if I've done this, is this... Oh, God. You just watch an Italian cook and it, it's like you absorb it immediately because it's so easy yeah. and if you're attention to detail and you just watch what people do it's easy you can mm. you, you really learn a lot um i've got a shout out to Ruggiero, yeah <laughs> who i used to watch in the kitchen and, shout out to Ruggiero, <laughs> and he used to um lay everything out as if he was a camera was there it's just, this is before instagram <laughs> like he was doing a tv cook program sorry if this is shady <laughs> or shaming him but it was quite interesting watching how you wouldn't put X, Y, and Z first or the, the crucial ingredients before you make a ragu. It, it was just like simple. It was just so simple. The only thing I hate doing is the actual chopping up of the prep work. Oh, yeah. You don't like prep at yeah, all. No, I need an assistant. <laughs> oh. Nope. Don't need <laughs> You. Okay. I. Mm. Yeah. I'll be happy to chop your veg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds weird. <laughs> 
what's some of your favorite dishes of Italian cuisine? Oh my gosh. Um, so I've got to say, so I used to eat red, lots of red meat. Uh, not lots, but I used to eat um, pork and red meat. And there was um, a uh, salami, um, the name escapes me, which is... Mortarella. Uh, no, the fine beef one, fat-free. Oh, um, oh. Begins with B. And oh. it's gone off the top of my Wait, wait, oh wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait. Wait. Oh, That's a bowl. Oh, that's just really thrown me. Haven't had it in years, so out of mind, out of sight. <laughs> Let's take a pause. We're going to look that up. Cue music. Found it. What was it called? Brazaula. Brazaula. Oh my God, how did I forget that? <laughs> Pasta evangelists define brazaola as a type of Italian salumi, or cured meat, originating from the Lombardy region, made from air-dried salted beef. It has a scarlet-red appearance and a delicate aromatic flavor. Brazaola is arguably the healthiest Italian cured meat, largely because it's made from a lean cut of beef that's been trimmed of nearly all its fat. It is normally served in thin slices and enjoyed on its own, either as a part of an antipasti spread or draped over a slice of Italian bread. The classic incarnation is Carpaccio di Brazaola, where wafer-thin slices are doused in extra virgin olive oil and lemon, then paired with leaves of peppery rocket, or arugula, and shavings of salty Parmigiano-Reggiano. The first time I tasted Brazaola, that was it. It was like, wow, this, is, this, is, this was made for me. Um, it, I, I ate so much of that stuff. And then when I was like in a supermarket, I'm like, to come home with when we're in the EU and bring you back meats and produce you could I, I was bringing it back with loads and um and then these local supermarkets with the brilliant delicatessens like Lidl and Aldi shout out to them because they're the ones doing <laughs> the um the delicatessens as you would in the European countries mm. um but Brazala was one of my favorites um ragus homemade ragus um and they were thick with meat they had sausages they had ham um cheeses and uh, oh my god and of course the the meat um the red meat that would i mean i'd be sleeping immediately after eating that um the cheeses as well christmas time again everything so i've got to share with you the first time i went to an italian restaurant in italy mm -hmm. i was like usual starter mains dessert I'm stuffing myself, <laughs> being told this is, this is, don't eat too much of that. You've got another course coming up. Another course comes. Oh, this is good. Stuffing <laughs> myself. Don't eat too much of that. There's another course coming up. <laughs> and it went on. And I was like, when the main course came on, which is just basically a plate of meat, I was just like, I'm stuffed. Oh, and then desserts came and I made room for dessert. But literally Christmas time in Italy, I used to go to bed with Gaviscon. Oh my goodness. It was that bad. How many courses? I think it was about four or five, but because I wasn't expecting it, this was in the restaurant, um, I just wasn't expecting it. And then they um, would just dump a bottle of limoncello or whatever liqueur on the table. And I'm not thinking, that's kind of wise. <laughs> As a digestive? As a digestive, yeah. Okay. And I was just thinking, can you imagine if they started doing that in restaurants in this country? What, like, giving away free alcohol? Yes. <laughs> Here's a bottle. Just take what you need and um, I will get you your bill afterwards. <laughs> and does it really work yeah. between courses? 
Well, if Calvados was the one I was given, and the Romans used to do Calvados when they had big feasts and they had more um, um, dishes afterwards Calvados. that would just push the food down. Uh, natural um, apple brandy from France, um, and that worked a treat. But mm. still, food being pushed down still has to go somewhere. It has to go somewhere, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, just I just used to love it. It was just a food fest. So I'm I'm looking forward to going to Italy with you <laughs> at yes. some point because I I would just not eat for a week just so that I could make up for lost calories or calories not had. <laughs> I don't see that happening, but okay, work. <laughs> Speaking of palate cleansers, digesters, I remember it might have been our very first trip to the French Riviera. We went to Nice. Whenever we go down there, we stay in Nice and we use Nice as the hub. And we take day trips to the many other yes. towns along the, the Mediterranean. Anyway, our favorite restaurant, which unfortunately is no longer there, it was called Les Garçons. Oh. And it was a small little place that was always packed, only did what? couple hours of a lunch service and a couple hours of a dinner service they were brilliant they were brilliant i'm so i maybe i need to look up there if they're open somewhere else but <laughs> um shout out to les garçons but anyway i remember trying armagnac oh yeah for the very first time honestly i had no idea what it was i just like <laughs> the way it looked like the word the word was pretty <laughs> and the glass it came in <laughs> everything was pretty but i was like yeah let's just have her um that was very strong very strong. Um, and it burned my chest. <laughs> Calvados is the same. <laughs> and I was like, oh, when they mean palate cleanser, they mean like palate stripper. Like stripper. everything, everything's gone. <laughs> Bring on the parsley. <laughs> Not the parsley. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> and it brought back memories of when I first had Limoncello. My first time having it in Italy, and I was thinking, oh, this is going to be like a cute dessert. Oh, I'm thinking <laughs> of lemon sherbet. I'm thinking of something, mm, you know, like tartans. Uh-uh. I almost, I almost, it almost came back up the other way. Oh, I was gosh. like, no, this is, this is, <laughs> this is vile. Yeah. And why does it look so cute and it, so pretty? It does. And um, did we not have a limoncello recently? Was it in Lisbon where they made it with... Um, something dif something different, and it was had an orangey kind of look about it, but it tasted brilliantly. Yeah, it was at the Italian restaurant that oh, uh, oh. Ralph took us to in Lisbon. That was amazing. But with the um, I, <laughs> I remember an Italian friend of mine um, served limoncello to Australian friends of mine. This is in the UK. <laughs> and they were like, it's like Lemsip. <laughs> oh my gosh. Lemsip, um, the equivalent in the States is maybe Theraflu. <laughs> it's that powdery, citrus flavored, but also very medic medicinal tasting. It's just um, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> But you know my love of lemons, though. I love lemons and ginger, so bring it on. If Colin was a root, <laughs> he would be a ginger root. You got it. I mean, you're obsessed with this stuff. I love it. It is so good for you. Look at me. <laughs> Look at you. A walking ginger root. Yeah. <laughs> Without any dry bits of skin on it. <laughs> Stringy, fibrous. 
<laughs> and good for you. <laughs> Literally. Lick the plate. I know ginger is used a lot in Jamaican food. Oh, yeah. And you are of Jamaican heritage. Yeah. So yeah, I, yes, I want you to take us back in time to your youth now. Oh, my God. Growing up in a Jamaican household in London. Yes. Well, so the image that comes to mind is my that of my late grandma, my late grandparents. Um, I, because I was um, of three, three girls and a brother that didn't live with us, but um, on a Friday we'd all descend to my grandmother's house, but I would be the first one to fall asleep, and if I fell asleep, they would leave me, and so I'd spend the week with my um, grandmother. And um, I used to see how much food she used to feed my grandfather. It was like this plate that was just so stacked up. And from a kid's view, that's like, that looks like a hell of a lot. Um, and um, and then there was this time when we tried Akin saltfish, which mm. I used to love. And my grandmother used to fake make it for me. So she used to give me scrambled eggs and oh. tell me it was Aki. And I used to go back doing that na 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 to my sister saying that I had Aki again for breakfast. <laughs> and then I remember saying it with my mum and my grandmother looked at my mum and she did that look that Jamaican women will do without saying a damn thing. And it's like my mum knew that it was scrambled eggs, but no one decided to tell me. I think my brother told me it was scrambled eggs that I was given and not Aki. So um, I've been, all my life I've been lied to. Not all my life. <laughs> I had to anyway. Um, I... <laughs> I was going to say I have a love-hate relationship with Aki, but hate is strong of a word. I have a love-slash-trying-to-understand relationship with Aki. We only really ever have it as a family at large on Christmas morning, yeah. which I guess is traditional. Traditional, yeah. And the very first time, I, you know, I knew of Aki, and I knew it was, what, the national fruit? Yeah. Of Jamaica, and, and or na the national dish is ackee and saltfish. That's right. And I love the way the fruit looks. It's gorgeous. On the tree. <laughs> or just picked. But when cooked, I thought, well, how did this turn into scrambled eggs? Why does a fruit look like scrambled eggs <laughs> and i think the mental thing just really got me so the very first christmas i spent with the prices <laughs> it was a dish and i just i sat there and i thought well <laughs> here we go <laughs> and to be honest i did not like it the very first time uh, understandable and i said it this past christmas that every year i put a little bit more aki on the plate <laughs> And this past year, Christmas 2023, is the first time I've had ackee and saltfish, and I can eat it without needing to add anything else on the fork. <laughs> True. I, I witnessed that, and it was a joy to see. It was also a joy to see that everything was times three this Christmas for you, wasn't it? Wow. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh we're still recording. Okay. <laughs> I've never seen someone get up to go for seconds and thirds. Excuse me. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey. sorry. <laughs> hey, hey. This is Lick the Plate Podcast with your host, Cameron Bernard-Jones, <laughs> and guest, Colin Price. Hi. <laughs> no, but um, I now can say that I like Aki and Saltfish. Maybe that verb will change to love 
next year or in a few years, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> when you're actually making it, that's when I'll, I'll know the love is real. Well, I made Kalalu for the first time. You did. And it was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> it was really good. Was... I didn't have any scotch bonnets. Uh, <laughs> so I just used some hot pepper salt. So I don't know if that's psychology or anything, but um, it, it I'm, tasted, I made it do. <laughs> it tasted as if it had uh, scotch bonnets in it. So. Have you ever had collard greens? Yes. Thanksgiving, New York. Okay. Yes. I keep forgetting that there were collard greens there. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I tried that and... Um, and do you remember we weren't eating pork at that time? And I, I saw that big, it was like, you know, Tom and Jerry, they'd put a big, big ham leg out. And it was almost like cartoon, like this ham came out on the table. And I was like, oh, I have to try this. <laughs> and try it, you did. Oh, my God. I've like, never seen someone go up for second and thirds. Like, oh, 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 yeah. oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> If anyone ever wondered what our marriage is like, this is it right here. <laughs> um, but yeah, that Thanksgiving was quite memorable. Very. <laughs> we can leave some of the <laughs> the personal <laughs> bits out unless you want to share those. Oh no, but... <laughs> no, 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 no. I was, I was, I was totally impressed with um, everything I ate on on the day, and it it was almost like, um, yeah, it was almost like in a film or the memes that would come out on Thanksgiving, who made this, who made that. But <laughs> that didn't actually happen, but it was like everybody brought a plate, I assumed, at the, on that occasion. And it was really good. I mean, I was stuffed. I was, yeah. I was to stuffed. say the least. To say the least, I was stuffed. And the desserts, when that came out, I managed to try a um, the sweet potato pie as well as a pumpkin pie. I don't remember who brought the pumpkin it pie. It was your cousin, um, Charlie's sister. Savita. Savita. Aha. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, there's the whole thing about sweet potato pie versus pumpkin pie and who, as in what demographic bakes and eats what. I'll leave that to the imagination. But I knew which one I preferred. I'm, exactly. We, we are, let's just take a guess as to which ones we prefer. But Answers yeah, on the postcard. Exactly. <laughs> that was one of the few times that. I got to share kind of my family food traditions with you. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of nervous because I was like, I guess you've never had a Thanksgiving meal before because nope. we don't celebrate it here in the UK. And, you know, uh, black American soul food specifically <laughs> isn't a big thing really in Europe. True. So I was just wondering if you'd like it, if you'd find similarities to your own culture's foods. And uh, yeah, I was quite surprised that you enjoyed it. I mean, the collard greens was quite similar to um, the greens that my dad used to do for Sunday breakfast. Mm. It was like gently steamed greens. Um, you used to add bacon, onions, season it up a bit, and we'd have it with hard dough bread and, and stuff. And that was a, a traditional Sunday breakfast in the Price household. And I remember when I made it... Um, myself i was like it was just a smell because um any kind of greens boiling it just it's kind of like want to be that broccoli kind of smelling smell in the yeah. house but not quite and um and that just reminded me of my late dad when i made it myself it was the mm. smell that used to run through the house on a sunday morning so it, it's elements of that which i i do um alike but when you asked me about the jamaican influence and, and st the foods that used to happen the other thing that used to happen on the saturday would be my grandmother would be in the kitchen all day 
after cleaning the house as well. Um, because I was there, she'd either make some treats, some sweet treats, or um, something that you made a couple of days ago, the um, sweet potato pudding. Okay. Um, and then she'll have this pot steaming. And I'm like, why is this pot always steaming? And this is the usual Saturday soup. <laughs> it was always simmering. She's peeling all these starchy um, vegetables, like green banana, um, yams, and making dumplings, and, and adding other element, carrots and onions and stuff. And, and, and then you're looking at it, and I remember used to peer into the pot thinking, this is just water. <laughs> and then by the end of it, this glowing yellow, thick, full of goodness. And mm. again, my, she'd feed my granddad a bucket first before everybody else. He had the biggest bowl in the house. And, and I suppose that's how the ladies treated their man mm. <laughs> back then, that generational thing. But, um, used to love that and and again the smells throughout the house as 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 she was cooking just lovely memories of that and it, it's quite funny because we were going obviously going um, to schools and having school dinners and it was almost like school dinners were very interesting in the sense that we got to eat things other than what we grew up eating okay um but we noticed that the flavors were completely different uh oh um <laughs> and it came to the point where I suppose the first year of having school dinners, it was something different. We're like, okay, this is okay. But then as as it progressed, you kind of like, oh, I don't like this anymore. And and why is this so sloppy? Why why is there leaves of cab cabbage boiled just floating in the water and slopped onto the plate? <laughs> Isn't there something you can do with this? <laughs> so there were like elements of that. And then I suppose that's my introduction to British cuisine. Um you know what it's like. Um, school dinners in Western worlds are just terrible. You go in to um, hear about what the French and, and Italian school children are eating. We're like, why are we, serve? Are we in prison or school? <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure the school lunches, as we call them, school, school dinner, eat the school lunch. No, they're not having, they're not having meals at six o'clock in the evening at school, just in case you were wondering. But I'm sure the school lunches, school dinners that you had in the UK are even much better than what's served in the United States. It's oh, wow. deplorable. Oh. I mean, I guess, you know, in the public school system, and it also depends on where you are in the country, how much money the school district has. There's a whole bunch of politics that goes into that, but that's another oh, podcast. Feed the children! Um, exactly. <laughs> but the quality of between countries, it, it, it's wow. a big difference. Incredible. I mean, I remember you saying you some of the ingredients... Some of the foods you say used to have. Oh, to like, in, that's in high school. <laughs> okay. I'm like, this sounds gourmet. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're eating square pizza with cheese that doesn't quite melt. Oh. <laughs> no, there was there were some some things that were made because in our school we had a, a fully operative kitchen. So I know that at the time, I think it was Ilya that um, controlled other schools. Um, we had a functioning kitchen and the staff used to make our lunches on the premises. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know whether that happens to other schools, but they used to try and be very adventurous. Um, but there was one thing I did like and everybody hates, and it was the spam fritters. And I think I was probably in primary school when I first tried that because I used to bite into it and it'd be like oil dripping down the side of my mouth thinking, oh, there's too much oil in this. But then there was a flavor that was just almost, you know, the fatty stuff that you're, you kind of crave. Yeah. It was that and, and then this crispy coating over this texture, which 
I don't know. It's, I suppose it was just it was spam. I suppose it was just, it was just spam. I hated spam growing up. Really, it used to be almost a weekly thing. Wow, we would have spam and rice. But was the spam just chopped up, or how was it? How done? did my dad do it? Ah, uh, he would slice it oh, and fry okay. it. Yeah, and you'd have it. I guess with ketchup, if my mind serves me right, and butter and salt over your <laughs> over your white Uncle Ben's rice. <laughs> Uncle Ben's rice. <laughs> um, I just I never liked the flavor. It's quite interesting because we ha- we had a different. Uh, it wasn't spam. We didn't buy spam, but there was something. I think luncheon meat, chop, chopped ham and pork. Yeah, aren't they all the same thing? They're all ham the same thing. As you say, lips, <laughs> tits, and ass. Exactly. <laughs> but my dad would um, do something with that, uh, which I apparently I used to eat. Um, but I think the one thing that I remember is different to spam but it was corned beef i kind of put them all in the same category but my speak to any jamaican or anybody from the caribbean what they do with a can of corned beef to make that a meal is incredible it is like peppers onions flavors added and served with rice creative oh that sounds good we were poor (laughs) but you, you know what but you made food rich exactly exactly Tell me, what kind of cook are you? Um, I I don't follow recipes. I will scan recipes, look at the ingredients, and then if I don't have it, myself will think what would replace that missing ingredient. I'm kind of slapdash. One pot, meals in, done. One pot wonder, everybody. <laughs> I'm a testament to that. And I can create things. I, I, I mean, do you remember when Kristen came over, a friend of ours from the States, um, picked her up at the airport and um, and I'm like, oh, we've got to make something for them. And had potatoes, pesto and tuna. So my Italian friends are probably going to puke in their mouths when they hear what I made. <laughs> I, I, I basically um, baked some potatoes, hand crushed them, and then <laughs> let's take a pause. Oh, you and these hand crushed. Yes, you you did not hand crush the potatoes. Well, my hand crushed the potatoes <laughs> with probably an implement being probably. a wooden spoon. So the potatoes were crushed by hand, thus creating <laughs> a lovely surface in which you can drizzle some olive oil, scatter some grated cheese. Mm. And then spoon on pesto. So it's usually green pesto I use for this. Smother it, add tuna, and then another layer of pesto, and then smother it, either mozzarella and um, hard cheeses, and bake it in the oven. And listen, it sounds so simple, everybody. (sighs) Everybody wanted more devoured it. <laughs> it was devoured but i like making up things it was one of the i was vegetarian for a stage of my life and i used to do this dish which kind of was similar do you got refried beans from yeah it's a very uh like tex-mex yes so staple. i used to another dish i used to do whereby i used to like mix refried beans with baked beans onions season all that up and i used to add for all those who know, Lynn McCartney's sausages. <laughs> oh, I was like, what is that? Mariah Carey's fingers. No. 
<laughs> yeah, and and make and then top it with a mashed potato, cheesy mash on top, bake it, and it's almost like a a, a vegetarian kind of take on a veg, vegetarian shepherd's pie, but with more textures to get your teeth around. Mm. So that used to be, and it, it, for me, it was like cheese, uh, melted cheese, and and in the way, I always take the piss out of American adverts when any restaurants advertising because it's always stringy cheese. Oh, let's bring yes, it's the about che- the cheese pole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cheese pole equals America. Oh my god! But I'm like, just kind of attempted to be vegan, but tried vegan cheese, and I just need real cheese. I can't do it. So if you're vegan out there, don't attack me. Oh, I know. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's something about the the cheese that I, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> I mean, maybe you can churn oat milk. No. <laughs> I'm sure with the way food technology is progressing, there will finally be a cheese product that will be good for vegans. That will also just be good taste wise and quality and texture. But until then, yeah, we're going to stick beside cheese. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Dairy cheese. <laughs> Dairy cheese. Um, yeah. Savoring the memories, sipping curiosities, spilling tea and serving up good vibes. I want you to describe the essence of Colin using food and or flavors. Oh, my God. Essence of Colin using food and or flavors. So I'm, I'm thinking caramel. Mm. I'm also thinking salted caramel, actually. <laughs> Not just plain caramel, because no one does plain caramel anymore. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> can I have salt with that, please? Um, caramel is one of my favorite um, sweets. It's like the, the chocolate. Um, oh, was it Cadbury's caramel? I used to... Okay, this is when I was at school. I would eat, could eat three bars of that without even breathing. Gone. Wow. I was that sweet tooth. Now I can't even do that now because I, I it's amazing my, my love for sweetness has kind of gone. It's kind of caramel ambrosia custard. I know that sounds really disgusting, but there's something about ambrosia custard, which is smooth, gloopy, and, and just delectable. <laughs> it's really weird. It's like... I. I haven't tried it, but I'm sure I could drink it. Drink a mug of that. I haven't tried it, as I said. But there's something about ambrosia custard. I don't know whether it's just flavoring fl- uh, flavorings that's added to this custard mixture, but can't just be the cow, surely. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I sell it at premium, but yeah, um, these all gloopy, syrupy things, um, mm. all gelling um, things, and chocolate. Love chocolate. Um, so I think that would be me again, chocolate. And there'll be a whisper of um, of cucumber and lettuce. Whoa, wait. I d- didn't see that coming. I know. It's like the vegetables, when it comes to salads and stuff, I love lettuce and I love cucumber and tomatoes as well. But um, essence of Colin, there's got to be something bolder, though. There's got to be a bold element, which I can't on the spot think of right now. Um Gosh, I'm ginger. <laughs> I was going to say it for you. It's in everything you make yourself. It's got to be ginger. Um, it's just everything because you, you can turn it down and you can turn it up. You, mm. you have full control of ginger and ginger's always ready to party. I'm like, I'm a leaf of parsley. Um, where do I get 
dress? Am I just laying on this food? I'm just laying down, just doing that. Am I not going to be blended in with anything else? Oh, okay. Oh, I speak to my agent. Yeah. (laughs) Colin, my dear husband, my love, I thank you for chatting with us and Allowing us to have a little peek into our our day to day life. <laughs> this is for real, y'all. This ain't no act. He is like this twenty four seven, and I'm just glad that we got to share that with people. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I always like talking about food and cuisine with you, and I'm just looking forward to more travels with you, so we can discover exactly. You like talking about it and love eating it too, which you forgot to mention in that little spiel you just said. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, the time has come, y'all. I've had such a joy creating, recording, editing, and producing this. But I didn't do this alone. I must acknowledge the people, my community, who helped make Lick the Plate what it is. Huge shout out to Adam Farrell, who composed the instrumentals and mixed and mastered my amazing theme tune. He laid the foundation for the vocals I laid, which came about so easily for someone who isn't a professed songwriter. It's been the not-so-hidden ingredient that has provided the magic to every episode and bits of social media. Thanks so much, Adam. Thank you to Daniel Haswell for the photo shoots video footage, to Gregory Haney for his photography for the artwork and social media, and to Ryan Carter for artwork design and asset composition. Thank you to Bradley Bond, Pramishka Govinder, Sophia of Ideology Magazine and Podcast, and Andrew Tomlins of West End Frame and In the Frame Podcast for the support of all kinds during the production of Season 1. Thank you to Jungle Studios and Second Home for providing spaces to record, and thank you to Tom Rouse for recording and initial sound mixing for Episodes 13 and 14. Thank you to Pocket Cast and Pod Bible Magazine for featuring Lick the Plate on their platforms. And thank you to Acast for hosting. Shout out to all my listeners. You all are the MVPs. I'm blessed to have so many from countries across the globe. I can't wait to see where Lick the Plate can reach next. Finally, to my season one guests, Ricardo Castro, Toyin Thomas Brown, Shandaya, Vance Ashworth, Mitchell Jangaja, Melissa Nettleford, Ash the Traveling Sensei, Ralph Lewis, George Obia, Michael Ahomka Lindsay, Paramjit and Bruce Nagra, and Colin Price. With your trust, openness, and amazing energy, season one was thoroughly seasoned and so enjoyable to produce, experience, and share. Thank you for helping me lay the foundation. Be sure to follow Lick the Plate on Instagram and TikTok at Lick the Plate Podcast and follow and subscribe and rate and review on the podcast platform of your choice. Please share Lick the Plate with your friends, family, and loved ones so we can continue to grow. I thank you all for savoring your memories, for sipping your curiosities, for spilling the tea, and for serving it up with good vibes on the side. I'm your host, Cameron Bernard-Jones, and this has been Season 1 of Lick the Plate. Hey, 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 hey. Before you go, I want to share something. Want more servings of Lick the Plate? Not to worry. Got some bites here and there to keep you satiated. 
while season two is being prepared to be served up sooner than later. Now, make sure you follow and subscribe to keep up to date on it all. Until then.